Let's take up our Bibles and read it, this second shortest psalm, Psalm 70. The subheading reads, To the chief musician, the psalm of David, to bring to remembrance. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame who say, Aha! Aha! Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Make haste to help me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Thus far we read the word of God at Psalm 70. And verse 4 will be the text on which we especially focus. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. Beloved, we have been battered and beaten, slapped about, I hope, this morning. With regard to our own proclivity, our own tendency to wander to be drifters. I hope the word of God brought these things to your mind and it it was a proverbial slap in the face, a stab to the heart. God has that way of speaking to us sometimes and reminding us that salvation, after all, is all of grace. I want us to consider... A happier theme, I suppose, yes, and that happier theme is found in Psalm 70, and it's about what I would call the the friends of God. There is one friend of God here who's on on the forefront, who's praying with regard to his own salvation, that the Lord would deliver him, that the Lord would confound his enemies, and Be quick about it, make haste about it, not delay about this salvation of himself and this confounding of his enemies. But then there's other friends of God who are, as it were, joined to this one friend of God, whom I believe is presented here as praying for the other friends of God in in our text in verse 4, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you, and, and so on. For you'll notice that the the person who's speaking in verses 1 through 3 and then verse 5 is is this singular person. He's this I. But then he expands the prayer to us and all of those who seek the Lord, all of those who are his friends and for whom he wants the greatest blessing. Now, beloved, So we come from being told about drifters and what we are, and we're warned about that in the book of Hebrews, now to be comforted 
in the truth of the friends of God who have a great friend who himself came and was poor for our sakes and he prayed that we might be blessed and he did everything in his power which was great to save us to the uttermost that we might do the things that make us most happy the things of praise and rejoicing in the great salvation of God. So I changed the title of the sermon to Friend Song. It's about friends. So draw near, draw near, and, and I'll draw near to this word. It has to do with how we're to respond to word and sacrament, to everything about the gospel, and that's so that we sing God's praise together, together, together. So friend's song. Here's, in the first place in our text, a, a prayer for friends of God, those who seek God. And then there we want to consider the prayer of the one friend of God who's, who's front and center in our passage. And then we want to consider that the prayers are turned into songs of many friends together, of the one even our Savior, and of the many friends that he makes, friends of God. So ready to rise up from the table, not only, and to go into this week as friends of God, prone to wander, but knowing that he'll bring you back. What the psalmist does here is speak to his own problems, first of all. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. And then talks about his enemies. But he takes the time and he has the perspective to remember that it's not just about him. In fact, it's about others. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And, and those who seek God and Jehovah, he's called here in, in our text or in, in the psalm, the Lord, what he speaks here is of the fact that there's, there's people who are like him. There's not just enemies that he has to deal with who seek his life, but there's friends that he knows. The psalmist knows friends who seek not his life, but life in God, and to do what is worthy of a Christian. And he describes them. He describes the character of those for whom he prays, he identifies them as those who seek God and those who love his salvation. You see that? Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. He has in mind God's elect called out of darkness into the marvelous light of God to show forth the praises of God. Because there is this world we live in and there's none that seeks after God. There's none that enjoys the salvation of God except those who are called out of the world to be in the world to love God and to seek God and to love his salvation. He's speaking of us. One has described this description of the people of God as the frame of mind of them. It's the frame of mind of a child of God. All those who seek you rejoicing and be glad in you. Let those who love you 
your salvation, say continually, let God be magnified. There's, they're focused. Friends of God brought from their lostness, brought back from their drifting. They are that focused on God now. They're seeking, desiring God and loving his salvation. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? The great salvation that we've heard from the Lord and his apostles and through his servants today. The great salvation. So he's identifying the character of these people in their heart, in their joys, and he's seeking for them in his prayer and in what may be a command, let them who seek you rejoice and be glad. He's he's seeking what they want, what they themselves seek, joy and gladness in God and to praise God's name continually. So this friend who's very concerned that he would be delivered post-haste by God, that his enemies would be turned back, they're, they're too many, they're overwhelming him, takes the time, as it were, to show his concern about this other people, these other people, the people of God's good pleasure. So he's identifying their character and gives us to pause and say to ourselves, is that our character? Does he have us in mind here? Is this psalm about you and is it about me? Are we stuck back in Hebrews 2 and, and wondering if we've stopped drifting and, or if we're just drifters and going lost? Maybe there's some of us who are so confused. We have these problems. The Bible here at this point, inspired by the Holy Spirit and by this prayer it's brought to our attention, describes a people, a class of people, loves the Lord, loves his salvation, loves Jesus, seeks him, pursues him, and would be most delighted to praise him continually if they had nothing else to do. And they'd never be bored. They'd always delight in magnifying God continually. So the prayer for The friends of God identifies their character, and it's a prayer for their blessing. The prayer is that they would rejoice and be glad in God, in you, O God, in you, O Lord, Jehovah, God of salvation. He prays just for that joy and gladness in God. It reminds us of what we are to pray for, joy and gladness in God. And we're all about seeking other things and happiness here and health and wealth and everything else we find agreeable to us. And we're reminded here that our joy and our gladness is in God. At least that's what a friend of God prays for. And I challenge you to see if, if he's wrong or if he's not dead on. And if this actually is not the only thing that satisfies you, God and being happy in him, contemplating who he is, marveling at his marvelous character, 
enjoying the contemplation of infinity, though, of course, we can't get upon, uh, beyond infinity, infinitude, loving the constancy, the immutability of God, who's our rock in the midst of the shifting sands of time and the tectonic plates which themselves remind us that this world itself is passing away. Are we reminded that the continual praise of God here, which is prayed for as a great blessing, is something that really is what we think is the best thing? In fact, our joy and our gladness in God issues forth in this praise of God, our understanding his salvation and our loving that issues forth in praise to God. And that's what let God be magnified means. Hallowed be thy name. God is great. God is glorious. Other translations have these things. In fact, in this Psalter, it's three times is this, this phrase, this singular phrase, really, this triplicate phrase, let God be magnified, repeated. A doxology, a life of doxology. That's the blessing of the people of God, and it's prayed for by this friend of God who takes the time, though there's hardly any time, he's thinking, I'm about to die, and yet I've got to take time to think in the middle of my prayer, in the middle of my sinking down into the mire and being clawed at by the lions and those who seek my life. I've got to take the time to pray for the blessing of other people of God who are like me. They're not antagonists to me. They're not seeking my life or my hurt. They're on the side of my God. And so he's concerned that they be praising and be happy in their praising and happy in praising in their happiness. And this is a prayer It's a prayer, make haste, O God, to deliver me, make haste to help me. That's a prayer, a request of God, an urgent prayer. And let them be ashamed and confounded, that's a prayer. And let them be turned back and confused and let them be turned back because of their shame, it's a prayer. And then our text, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. It's a prayer. But it may even be a a command, in fact, just like we know from the first page of Holy Writ, let there be light, a creative word that the psalmist is saying. And here he is praying to God to deliver him. And then this would be so ironic and so profound for those other people who are on his mind More, in fact, it seems, even than himself and his deliverance. He's commanding things. Let it be that all the seekers of God are happy. And let them be found rejoicing in the salvation of God continually and praising God so that his name and his being be magnified, enlarged, as it were, Not that God gets any larger and needs us to get any larger, but so that there's a publication 
a knownness of God that was hitherto not so apparent. God will be known in answer to this prayer in the creative word as the God who is great and greatly to be praised. So that's this prayer that's made by this prayer, this needy one in the psalm. It points us to the fundamental reason for these friends of God here who are not seeking the life of the psalmist, but they're on his side. They're seeking God with the psalmist. I say it points us to the fundamental reason why there are these friends of God and why there is this blessing. And the fundamental reason is that there is a fundamental distinction between the friends of God who are seeking, for whom there is prayer made, that they might be happy and praise God continually. There's a difference between them and another friend of God. And that's how I'm reading this text. And that's how we need to read our whole Bibles there's friends of God. But beloved, wherever there's friends of God, there's been a friend of God who's gone before, who's behind their being friends of God, who's the reason why they're not seeking the life of the psalmist and other godly men or the life of Jesus, the Messiah. They don't seek his life. They love his life. To them to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus is here presented on behalf of his friends. He's the one presented here praying that God would make quick salvation for him. He's sinking. Remember Peter sinking in the waves and calling out, Lord, save me. Here's Jesus sinking in the waves, being overwhelmed by this attack. And what's emphasized here is the attack of earthly enemies. Make haste to help me, to deliver me. Let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused to desire my help. Let them be turned back because of their shame who say, aha, aha, you can just think of the cross here. And then verse 5, but I'm poor and needy, make haste to help to, to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. Remember last psalm we said was messianic, through and through about Jesus. There's quotes of him all over the place in the New Testament. It's the psalm that's quoted the most in the New Testament except for Psalm 22. It's a messianic psalm through and through. Well, all of the psalms really are principally messianic. They're about Jesus and his friends and Jesus and his enemies and the gospel of God that's needed and given to the friends of God. So here's Jesus on behalf of his friends. Look at that. He's presented here as being in need. Look at verse 5, I'm poor and needy, 
Make haste to help me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. This is profound. Because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the helper, the deliverer, the Christ of God, the eternal Son of God, the heir of all worlds, the provider of everything, rich in the glory of the fullness of the fellowship of His Father, breathing after the Father in the ardent love of the Holy Spirit and receiving the love of the Father in that communion of the Holy Spirit back. And yet the Bible says, and this is reflected in the articulation of the New Testament, when he says, I'm poor and needy, the Bible says he was rich, yet he became poor. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Christmas was poverty for the Son of God. The entering into our poverty. The sovereign becoming the subject of God the Father and even subject to the whims and the slaps and the taunts of men. The glorified one is humbled low. And here we have in this psalm what the Bible says all over the place of Jesus. This friend of God is the Savior. He's the one who turns from his own distress that he's feeling. He's feeling the pain to be on our behalf. That's why in the middle of the night, in the middle of the Mockery in the middle of the plague of the curse of God. He has in mind his people. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually let God be magnified. Imagine that. Maybe he's praying this in verse 4. As he's praying, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. It's not like this verse 4 is a parenthesis. This is, oh, as an aside, not only help me, but help them. A front and center in the midst of his suffering is, is Jesus, the one who's come to suffer for us. He's the one who's the appointed Savior on behalf of sinners, the man of sorrows. And so there's sinners chosen in him, loved by him, and there's sinners' sins and shame that are taken on his shoulders to bear away. So he suffers for us. Many seek his life. That's the focus of the psalm, as I said. But we know that God himself is seeking the life of his son to be a substitute curse for those who deserve to be cursed. But here the focus is on those confounded enemies, those scribes and Pharisees, that world of iniquity, those monsters who gathered around at the cross and shouted, crucify him. There is this desperation that he shows, and it's not fake. Oh, Lord, make haste to not delay 
And we're reminded, of course, of the darkness of the cross and the great cry of dereliction, my God, my God, forsaken, why? Left to these enemies, why? And so this is the humiliation. And he must cry, let them be turned back and confused to desire my help. Let them be ashamed and confounded to seek my life, who desire my hurt, excuse me. Let them be turned back because of their shame, who say, ah, ah, He saved others. Why cannot he save himself? There he is in the midst of sinners. He's the greatest of them, I'll say. This great blasphemer of Israel who said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. There it is, he's suffering. But our text jumps ahead as it were. We know this on the other side of that cross and that demise of the Savior. He died lays cold in the tomb. But we know he satisfied the justice of God and the third day he rose. He's glorified. He receives the Spirit. He receives the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us and to make a church and to make those who were just there in the crowd crying out, crucify him, crucify him. He makes of those who are confounded in their attack of God and in their life of dereliction and hatred and selfishness. He makes those seekers of God. So, We look at this theologically and in light of the whole of the Bible, we see that this one who's crying out for deliverance and yet at the same time speaking of those who seek the Lord and calling God to give them to rejoice in him and so on, we see something further that's happened because of the son's demise, his his dying. In fact, we find that he rises because this prayer is answered. And we know that. Because there's a people that seek God. There's fruit of his own being despised. There are seekers. The whole world was seeking after self, and there's none that seeks righteousness, none that seeks God. No, not one. And yet here they are, they're seekers. And there's lovers of salvation. There's those who are blessed by the Son and who come to the table of the Son in remembrance of Him because they're seeking God, desiring God, because they love the salvation of God. You do, don't you? And I do, don't I? And we love to show fruit And we love what he loves. He's praying that we might be glad in him and praise God continually for the salvation that is in him. That's what's happened. This psalm is 
full of hope then in the light of the gospel. The psalmist here who's praying that he might be delivered, and there's no details about that, is praying especially and commanding, as we said, let them rejoice, let them praise God, for the exaltation of others. That's what he's praying especially for. Praise for his deliverance, but he knows, does Jesus, that in his deliverance is wrapped up the full salvation of the people of God and their continuation as people of God. He's praying here that the people of God who are bought by him and now indwelt by him, listen carefully that these people, you and I, may not be like drifters, may not go lost. We're seeking God. I've made you to be seekers of God, Jesus says, and those who love the salvation of God. Now, I want you even to advance. I want you to be happy, rejoicing and being glad in God, and, and I want you to be praisers of God. And you, you had no, you were aimless, You had left the mooring, you jumped ship, floating down the river, drinking iced tea, happy just with life going on, and you with the flow. And Jesus says, I want more of you. I want all of you. Every part of you. I want your your body, your soul, to be wrapped up in this thing called friendship with God. I want your members to be servants of that great God. I want you to do nothing that's just, well, an impulse. Certainly nothing that would betray that you're not really happy being a friend of God, the lover of his salvation. See, there's something very full here. Because the Son is saved, he will have his own exalted and glorified a happy hallelujah chorus. And that leads to my final point, beloved, that the prayer is turned into a song of friends together. Now, I've done something here, which is a kind of a preacher's license. I've taken a text in this psalm and focused on the text, light of the, old, the, the psalm and the rest of the, the Bible, perfectly at liberty to do that. There's all kinds of ways of looking at this psalm, though. But I've focused on the idea of friends and that there's one and that there's many. And lo and behold, you find these friends together, not only in this passage, in fact, maybe not in this passage. We're never told about what happens to those who seek and rejoice and are glad in God and those who love God and 
were prayed for that they might praise God. But we, we know better, don't we? The one friend in the psalmist who has many friends are one. Jesus and his own are one. You're one with Jesus, aren't you? Your cause, his cause. Your love's his love. What you despise, what he despises. That's what friendship's about. True friendship. Loving what's good and wholesome. God-glorifying. So what happens is there's this one, and he has, of course, the pre, the, the, he, he's, on, he's front and center here, and then he turns to pray for the many, and this is the gospel. There's one, he's God with us, and then there's the many that he saves and makes to be happy and gives them the exalted, purposeful life. They're no longer rudderless. They're no longer drifters. They're aiming to heaven, and they have a goal. And lo and behold, we become just like him, not saviors. But we're joined with him. At the hip, we say, in the heart, we know. So, we're heirs of his salvation. We're the ones who receive his answered prayers. Verse 4, Jesus has prayed, the one has prayed, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. That's what's happened to us, isn't it? Don't leave the supper, beloved. Don't leave the house of God and the word of God without believing that. That the cross has not been a mistake, it's not empty, that the preaching of the gospel is just not a, a word of man, some poetic statement, some, some fancy presentation or confused presentation of the gospel that I've heard is true, but I'm not sure if I believe it. Oh, let that be. Believe that the prayer of Jesus is answered and all of us who seek him are now rejoicing and are now glad in God. Isn't that the case? Isn't the Savior's prayer answered? We're not even talking about your prayer, but his prayer. And so can't you say, in in the midst of sorrows, in the midst of anxieties, and, and future this and future that, and it's all unknown except to God, and we say, One thing is constant, the presence of God, the friendship of God, and the blessedness of being forgiven and of being indwelt and of being enlightened and set free to serve. Isn't that the happiest thing? Isn't that the happiest thing? So that even as we're talking um, around the lunch table, you, you Pound your nail and grit your teeth and still be happy. Might take a while to think about that. But you can be happy in all kinds of things. This isn't making light of anything. 
And it's certainly not making light of the happiness that God gives. And then the praise, isn't that yours? Let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified, let God be praised. Hasn't that prayer of Jesus been answered by by God, beloved, so that in your life, that is your life, continually, not just when things go well, not just when you're doing well and you think you don't need God, but all the time. So all the credit goes to God. Yes. And now we sing it then. Now we sing it. For others, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad. We, we want that of one another. Let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. We say that of one another. And even at the same time, this again is the joining of the one and the many, we do ourselves pray in our needs for deliverance. On the behalf of Jesus, we bear the reproach. And so we're those who know the answer to his prayer, but also we know the answer to his work in us that we're joined to him, and we have to suffer for his sake. And cry out, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O God, for I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God, you are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. And there are the many enemies. You, you know them, don't you? Friends of God and of Jesus have enemies who are against us because they're against God and Jesus. But we're confident, aren't we? Jesus continues to pray. Jesus continues to preach his word and to minister to us in word and sacrament. I'm yours. I'm yours. Don't ever forget that, beloved. And don't forget to sing in this life. So your prayers are a song, a song of streams of mercy never ceasing. Streams of mercy for the wanderers, the drifters, and those who would seek themselves and not God. But streams of mercy never ceasing. Streams which call for loudest praise. Amen. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to know your mercy. The prayer of this great friend of ours. The prayers now that become ours and are mingled with his. So that we know something of his sufferings and of his glories. By participating in his own life. and Being the heirs of salvation. Oh, we pray that this congregation may know this friend, Jesus. And be his friend. And sing his song. And be happy in you, O God, and rejoicing in your salvation and praising your name. Let the name of God be magnified by us now and forever. Amen.